Hey, this is Russell Wilson. This is Joe Montana. This is Dak Prescott. Hey, this is Jason Kelsey, and you're listening to Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. Rob Motti. I am Rob Motti. Welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. We're heading into Week 17 with playoff spots on the line. There's number one seeds at stake. All kinds of wild news happening. We'll get to some of it in a minute. Our special guest this week, three-time Super Bowl champion, one of the NFL's best linebackers in his era, Teddy Bruski joins us. Teddy's an ESPN analyst. He's also one of the AP voters for our All-Pro team and the NFL Awards. So stay tuned for a very interesting conversation. Big news out of Las Vegas on Wednesday. The Raiders are benching Derek Carr. Carr and the Raiders, they've struggled this season. They went to the playoffs last year, almost beat the Bengals before Cincinnati went on to win the AFC Championship. They're 6-9, and nine, and Derek Carr has been – he's played poorly this year. But this is more about the Raiders benching him to avoid the possibility of a serious injury that would affect his contract status. The team has until February 15 to decide whether to release or trade Carr, who he's got a no-trade clause, but he could waive it. Up until that date, they have to make this decision or he would receive $33 million for twenty. 23 and a serious injury would guarantee that money plus another seven and a half million for 2024. So plenty of teams are going to need quarterbacks. Carr now joins the list of QBs that will be on the move. Certainly this signals the end of his career with the Raiders. Washington's making a quarterback switch for other reasons because they're right in the middle of the playoff race. They're going back to Carson Wentz, and the commanders are 7-7-1 and at this point. Wentz was 2-4. and He broke a finger. Taylor Heineke stepped in, helped the team get back into the playoff race. They had a strong run game surrounding him. Defense played well. Carson came back, looked good in relief last week against the 49ers in a loss. He's the more talented quarterback, and despite some of the issues he's had, the inconsistency over the past couple years, the commanders are looking for a spark. Carson's been in this do-or-die, must-win situation before in 2019. He won four straight games in December with the Eagles, went into the playoffs, suffered a concussion, lost that game last year with the Colts, lost the last two games of the season, did not make the playoffs, and that signaled the end of his career in Indianapolis after one season. More quarterback news. Tua Tungavailoa suffered another concussion that wasn't diagnosed until after the Dolphins lost to Green Bay on Christmas Day. It To me, it's just incredible to a lot of people. It's incredible that this happened after what transpired with Tua and concussions earlier this season. This is certainly a major problem, a big issue, and the NFL needs to address it. Teddy Bruschi played 13 seasons in the NFL, all with the Patriots. He won three Super Bowls. He was a Pro Bowl pick, a two-time second-team All-Pro. He was the NFL's Comeback Player of the Year after suffering a stroke following the 04 season. Teddy made an incredible recovery, returned to play at a high level. Now he's doing a great job on ESPN as an analyst. He's an excellent AP voter. Here's my conversation with Teddy Bruschi. Welcome to the AP Pro Football Podcast. Teddy Bruschi, one of our AP voters, awards voters, and three-time Super Bowl champion. Man, it's great to talk to you. Great to have you 
on the show, Teddy. Exactly. And I want to start off with a couple teams. Well, one team you're very familiar with and then a guy that you're very familiar with. The New England Patriots got a big game this weekend against the Miami Dolphins. And it seems like Tua Tungavailoa probably isn't going to play because of right. a concussion. How do you view the way that changes this game against the Patriots? I think offensively for the Dolphins, Rob, it's it's a big change because Tua being one of the biggest anticipatory throwers that the league has, and in terms of being on the same page with Waddle and Tyreek Hill, it's chemistry you can't replace, you know. So those type of quick slants that you've seen Waddle and Tyreek Hill over the middle type of throws that they've hit on regularity and they've caught it and gone for 40, 50 or 60, the deep ball down the field. I mean, it's it's a lot of things that take a lot of time to get on the same page with. And so we'll see what they can do offensively, but it's it's it definitely tilts the the sort of favor into the New England Patriots for this game. Teddy, what do you make of this season for the Patriots, the way it's gone? There was a lot of high expectations coming in and and the way Mac Jones performed last year, but it's been an up and down season the last two weeks. uh, Obviously, there was the the lateral play, the ill-advised lateral play. Then against the Bengals, they had them on the ropes inside the five and almost with a chance to win that game and they fumble. How do you evaluate this team this year? It's been a grind the entire season. It seems like they've had to go go through a process where they have to get not only used to a new offensive play caller, of course, I'll focus more on the offensive side of the ball because that's where all the problems are, but the relationship between quarterback and offensive coordinator and Matt Patricia's also helping and, and coaching the offensive line. There's a lot on his plate and you can almost tell as they're out there playing that there's a lot of still learning that's going on. Um, the play where Mac Jones, you know, tried to quarterback sneak it over over the end zone um, against the Raiders, I think it was. And then guys aren't set. Those type of things. I mean, of course, you talk about the laterals and the fumbles, but there's so much other you know, operational offensive things that they just have not gotten on the same page with. And for all New England Patriots fans, I live here in the region. It's frustrating to watch because. You went from Josh McDaniels, who had this system that was 15 to 20 years old, to someone that comes in and they're trying to implement something new. So it's tough for players, all of the offensive players, to get used to. Just how difficult, I mean, you're a defensive guy. How difficult is it to make that transition that Matt Patricia is trying to make and has been trying to make to go from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side? To me, it seems almost unprecedented. I think I I do remember Andy Reid trying it the opposite way with Juan Castillo, former offensive line coach in Philly, and then became a defensive coordinator. That didn't go so well. How tough is this? It's so tough that it it almost takes a year of getting used to it. And are you almost, I mean, I don't want to say wasting the year, but there's so much that has to be done. I mean, Matt Matt Patricia was an offensive line coach before he went and coached me as a linebacker. Mm -hmm. Now that's a positional switch, Rob. You see offensive line to linebackers. You got a veteran group that included, I mean, so many guys that had played over 10 years in the league and it's doable. I think what Bill sort of overestimated was it's Mac Jones second year 
and how important that second year was. And so not only him developing as that second year quarterback, now you've almost taken him back all the way to where now let's relearn something and try to forget. That's the important thing. Try to forget how much success you had last year. All right. And go into the Pro Bowl under Josh McDaniels and just here's our new guy and try to get on the same page as this. It, it's had to be a, a really tough and frustrating for Mac Jones. There's some talk that Bill may not come back, may retire, may do something different. I mean, you think of the Patriots, you think of Bill Belichick, obviously Tom Brady for all those years. Do you buy into that? Well, I want to see Bill get Shula. And uh, and I think that there's a lot of people that have that goal in mind. I don't know what the number is. You would know. I mean, in terms of yeah. the, the overall victories that Don Shula had as the Miami Dolphins head coach as a career of all of his years of coaching. Bill's there. I think is about 20 or so games away. And that's something a lot of Bill's former players want to see him get. Uh, a lot of fans in New England want to get. And there's got to be transition, absolutely, in terms of, who is going to be the offensive coordinator going forward? What does Bill want to decide? But definitely, Bill Belichick's going to be there, and I don't have any doubt about that. Teddy Tom Brady, who we mentioned you played with, you won Super Bowls with, you know him as well as anybody. It's been a frustrating year for him, but they, the Buccaneers have an opportunity to beat Carolina, and they win the yeah. NFC South. You get into the playoffs, and they would actually be a higher seed than they were two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. It's a different team. They're banged up. All these different things going on. When you look at Tampa and the struggles they've had with Tom, what do you pinpoint? I don't know. Maybe it's – I mean – all the players that are great and have been great in the past are there. The defense is still there that they've had success with, but it seems like, I don't know, mentally they're playing as if they're waiting for something to happen, you know, and it's almost like, okay, let's just wait for two minutes left in the game. And all right, let's flip a switch and let's start playing now. Okay. We got them. Boom. We're back. But that's just the thing. They flip the switch and they play, but then they flip it back off, <laughs> which is weird <laughs> the next week. And it's almost like this is what they've been waiting for all year. OK, we're not going to be a number one seed or a number two seed or home field advantage or anything like that. We see what division we're playing in. I think that they all know that. I mean, they've won a championship before a lot of them, and they see that let's just get in the tournament. And they're playing with that attitude of like, let's just get there. Okay, well, here you go. The game is coming up now versus Carolina. I mean, I, I would I would anticipate you would see the best bucks of the entire season for this game. But then again, I, I really couldn't give you a good answer on who would who would show up because you never know with this team this year. And that's gotta be incredibly frustrating for Tom, a player that sort of you know, exude, exude consistency over the course of his career. And now it's just up and down, up and down. So we'll see what they do. And when he's got the ball in his hands and an opportunity to win the game at the end, we've seen it three times now, including Arizona this past Monday, uh, Sunday night on Christmas. Yeah. They they won the game from what I've seen from him. He, he's still got the arm strength. There's some decision making that may be uh, factored in because of lack of confidence in the offensive line, lack of confidence in some of the receivers. I still think this is a guy who can play again next year. I just don't know where. Do you see the same sure. thing, Teddy? I do. I mean, yeah, I see what you're seeing. Left tackle has been tough for them. I mean, Tom's 45. When he gets a little bit of pressure, it's always in his mind in the last, you know, five to eight years to just survive, get rid of the ball, get down. What was uncharacteristic is the turnovers that he had, and that can't happen. But 
I mean, your ball security as an old man sometimes goes too. <laughs> I too, but Rob, what you're asking, I, I agree. I mean, he could play again if he wanted to. And that's yeah. just the whole thing. Does he want to do it again? And do I want to start from scratch, maybe from another team? Because I mean, you and I both here, is he going to another team? Does he want to go back to San Francisco? What other teams would want him? You know, so that's a lot of decision making that he has to go through this offseason. Teddy, as I mentioned at the top, you are one of our AP All-Pro voters and NFL Awards voters, and we had some changes this year, and I appreciate you being uh, willing to have that conversation with me when I reached out and over the summer and we talked about it. You shared some of your thoughts. First off, how do you like the way we have now changed it? Rather than you vote for one player at MVP, you're going to do a top five and the other awards you're going to do a top three. There's a lot of talk about these non-quarterbacks. The MVP mm-hmm. is and it shouldn't just be for quarterbacks. I feel by doing a top five, it opens the door for maybe not a receiver like Justin Jefferson to win or Micah Parsons, Nick Bosa to win, but at least be in that conversation. Yeah. First of all, it's it's been an absolute blast being part of it the last two years. It's something that I I watch religiously every single week to see what what the level of play of of these certain players are. I love the new format, Uh, the first and second team of the all pro and also the top five for the MVP and the top three for the other awards. And it's exactly because of just what you said. I'm not going to me myself voting for five quarterbacks from 10, 5, 3, 2, 1 format is just not something that I could do. You know, I think the top three quarterbacks in my mind that I have, they're all battling out for my final vote in terms of the order. The fourth and the fifth place is when these other players that deserve mention absolutely do. I mean, is it a Justin Jefferson? Is it a Nick Bosa? I mean, do you do you have seasons where Trent Williams had a season at the left tackle for the San Francisco 49ers last year? That was it, that was imperative to their success. Those type of things. It can be more broad and it can be more specific at the same time because I mean, I think we all see the discrepancies in what happens when these players make the Pro Bowl and how someone can just slip in and 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 slip through the cracks. And it's like, whoa, how did that happen? But the work that all of us voters are put in, put in through our teams, the first and second team has been a lot. I mean, me, myself, since week four, I have processed and made a list of say, I'm say if I'm talking the defensive tackle, I put like the top six to start. And just mm-hmm. narrow it down all the way throughout my film study all over the course of the year to where even today, I mean, I'll just break out. And I'm watching Christian Wilkins and from the Miami Dolphins. And it's like, man, this guy's all over the place. And definitely he needs to be in the conversation. So with the first and second team, that does that for me. I can watch more and I can and I can see all of these great players that we have and give them recognition. I appreciate that you do that because I see how seriously that you take this and it's, it's a prestigious award. All of these are prestigious awards. Uh, One final question on this from the MVP standpoint, just how hard is it, Teddy, to take, for example, a team like the Philadelphia Eagles with a dominant offensive line, excellent skill position players, but a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, who certainly elevated his play and helped them get off to a 13 and one start. And then you want to give him his just credit, right? But you also recognize the pieces around him have stepped up and are helping that performance. How do you weigh that? Well, I think you just look at the player himself and his value to the team. And, you know, there's, 
There's other players that have that value like a Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's there's two aspects of it too, Rob. I mean, is it just, is it the system? Is it the offensive line? Is it A.J. Brown? Is it Devontae Smith? Those type of guys. But the quarterback puts it all together, you know, and you have to give Jalen Hurts his credit and his due. I mean, even when they go out there with the Gardner Minshew and they still perform admirably, but still it's like, what would have happened? So I have to go through my mind if Jalen Hurts was there. So, you know, does it hurt him by not being there? All of these things. Now I'm watching Mahomes. Now I'm watching Allen and all these other quarterbacks. I look forward to watching Jalen as this process goes forward because all the way through week 16, week 17, all of these weeks, they are valuable when we have such a tight MVP race like we do. It's not easy. I'm glad you're the one who's got to actually make the votes. I just assigned. So I thank you for that, Teddy. I appreciate your time, man. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Wish you a ton of blessings, my friend. All right, Rob. Same to you, buddy. Thanks. Welcome back to the AP Pro Football Podcast. It's time for Pro Picks. The four-pack is 33-29-2. Let's start in Green Bay. The 7-8 and eight Packers are three-point favorites against the 12-3 and three Vikings. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers have won three in a row. They got the help they needed to stay in the playoff race and now need two more wins and a little more help to get in. The Vikings have been shaky lately. 11 of their wins this season by one score. That's an NFL record. The only time they beat any team by more, it was week one against the Packers. Rodgers and the Pack need this one. Green Bay, 27-23. Next, the AFC's number one seed is on the line Monday night in Cincinnati. The Bills are one and a half point road favorites against the Bengals. Josh Allen versus Joe Burrow. It's a great matchup. Buffalo needs to win to hold on to the top spot. The Bengals have won seven in a row, but they need this one to stay first in the AFC North and to have any shot at the top seed if Kansas City falters. Bills 27-24. For my upset special, the Seattle Seahawks are two and a half point home underdogs against the New York Jets. Two seven and eight teams still in a playoff race despite losing a whole lot of games lately. Four straight losses for the Jets, three in a row for Seattle. Mike White returns for the Jets. Seattle's a tough place to play for a veteran quarterback, let alone a guy making his seventh career start. Seahawks, 20-19. For my best bet, the Patriots are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Miami. Tua Tungavailoa is back in concussion protocol. The Dolphins have lost four in a row to help New England stay in the playoff race. The Patriots nearly came back for a big win against the Bengals if it weren't for a fumble inside the five in the final minute. Patriots 23-17. For more insight and predictions on every game, check out ProPicks on APNews.com. final thoughts. Last week, I tweeted that the Philadelphia Eagles are good enough to win a Super Bowl if they had to with Gardner Minshew at quarterback with Jalen Hurts going down with an injury. And some Eagles fans took that as an insult toward Jalen Hurts instead of the compliment it was intended to be that this team has that much talent on offense, a dominant offensive line. Now they've lost Lane Johnson. That changes things a little bit. But a dominant offensive line, tremendous skill position players in A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, 
Miles Sanders, and a defense that is extremely stingy, gets after the quarterback, and I know they had some secondary issues last week against the Cowboys, but remember, I tweeted this before that game, and they still had a shot to beat the Cowboys with Gardner Minshew. Four turnovers is what cost them that game. So that comment, that post was just intended to be a compliment towards what this team is. Remember, this is a team that knows all about winning Super Bowls with a backup quarterback in 2017 with Nick Foles. So saying they're good enough to go there and win with a very capable backup in Gardner Minshew, if they had to, which they don't, because Jalen's going to come back at some point, that's just meant to be a compliment a superior offensive system, a talented team, a great coaching staff. Take it for what it is. Only sensitive Eagles fans will get offended. I grew up there. I know the city. I know the fan base. And quite frankly, sometimes it's embarrassing. That's it for this week. Thank you to Teddy Bruschi. And thank you for listening. Please be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, check out my colleague, Ralph Russo, and his AP Top 25 college football podcast. Until next week, I'm Rob Motti reminding you, make a difference. Be a blessing.